Hey, let me pray, and then I'm going to do a little sermon action here. Let me pray for us. Yeah. Yeah, um, Thank you for... Uh, I don't know. It always amazes me. You, I know you don't... Because you know all things. You don't, like, suddenly come up with ideas. So I don't even know how to talk about this. But thank you for this, the idea, the concept of uh, mothers, God, that when you, in your eternity and your your omniscience, your all-knowingness, this this concept of us, uh, people growing inside people, which just blows my mind, um, and then having a mother, and, and that special loving closeness care between a mother and their child, uh, whether it's biological or not, we all have people in our lives who are a mother to us, and care for us, and pray for us, and, and love us. Um, so just that, that, that concept, eh? I just I thank you so much for that, God. It's yeah, powerful for us. Eh? Just give us good ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning, God. We, we want to learn something more about you and your care for us. Yeah, I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, happy Mother's Day uh, to you all. I got Joe's kind of a joke present this morning, which was hilarious. So if you want to find out what that was, the cafe team know. You could ask. I thought it was pretty cool of me, to be honest. And it got the response that I wanted, which was good. It may involve cheese, if you want to ask Joe. So anyway, and there's more coming, which is good. Hey, um, so I want to talk about being seen, right? And one of the things I've found funny uh, with the little kids in church and as a parent is how much kids want to be seen, right? So kids can build, like they've got their little bike at home, and they build a jump that's like that high and their first thing is like, mom, mom, come watch me jump, come watch me jump. And you don't go out and go, that's not a jump, kid, let me, you know, you don't. You're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Well, they're on the tramp. And the first thing they want to do on the tramp is like, mom, mom, come watch me jump. And they're like, boink, boink. you know, and they're really little and you're like, that's amazing, great jumping, you know. They just want to be seen, right? Um, one of my kids uh, growing up loved to do puppet shows. And they'd do these absolutely hilarious puppet shows. That, and the first thing is like, Mum, Mum, come and watch my puppet show. And you're like, I literally have no idea what's going on in this puppet show, but it's hilarious and I love you, right? Kids just really want to be seen. And one of the, this is quite deep, right? One of the core aspects of being human is the need to be seen, right? The need to be known, the need to be acknowledged, the, the desire to not be invisible, um, and that's what I want to talk a bit about this morning, this whole desire we have to be seen. I want to give credit to um, Hilary Price. So Hilary Price is an author over in the States, and I read this cool article by her and stole a few thoughts out of it. Um, I found it just super helpful in thinking about this. Um, I just want to start with a little bit of an article by Nicole Johnson, um, talking about I'm Invisible, and she's talking about the struggle that mothers often have to be seen. Right. So let me just read this. It all began to make sense. The blank stares, the lack of response the way one of the kids would walk into the room while I'm on the phone, phone and ask to be taken to the store. And inside I'm thinking, can't you see? I'm on the phone. <laughs> Obviously not. No one can see if I'm on the phone or cooking or sweeping the floor or even standing on my head in the corner because no one can see me at all. I'm invisible. <laughs> Some days I'm only a pair of hands, nothing more. Can you fix this? Can you tie this? Can you open this? Some days I'm not a pair of hands, I'm not even a human being, I'm a clock to ask, what time is it? I'm a satellite guide to answer, what number is the Disney Channel? <laughs> I'm a car to order, right around 5.30 please. 
I was certain that these were the hands that once held books and the eyes that studied history and the mind that graduated, but now they had all disappeared into the peanut butter, never to be seen again. She's going, she's going, she's gone. <laughs> um, I know I'm talking to heaps of mums. Often for a mum, you do just feel used. <laughs> there's an aspect of it that you love <laughs> about that, but there's a huge, huge aspect that you just feel taken for granted. And am I really seen <laughs> in all I do? Um, before I get into some verses, I just want to say really carefully, um, kids, if you're listening, especially you guys, we're really good at thinking, oh, not my mum, those other mums might feel like that, but when was the last time you asked your wife, when was the last time you asked your mum, do I really see you? So I'd encourage you, maybe this afternoon, text your mum, phone your mum, go and see your mum, and just ask them that simple question, do I see you? Um, I think it's an easy one that we just forget, right? Hey, so um, Janine read these verses before Genesis 16. I just want to read a few. Um, again, it's just that core little bit in the middle. So if you've got your Bible, way, good to, to boost over there and, and follow along. The Bible's the powerful Word of God. It's, it's a good thing to read. Um, I'll just read from... Uh, I'll start in verse 9. The, the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added... I will give you more descendants than you can count. <laughs> the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. I always think that's a funny thing for an angel to say, like her world's falling apart. And he's like, by the way, let me describe what he's like. What? I thought you were here to comfort me. It's so crazy. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he'll live in open hostility against all his relatives. And then we have this great verse that Janine read a couple of times. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you're the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Ah, oh, I just love this little passage, eh? Um, Hilary Price kind of summarizes this section with this really powerful little um, couple of sentences here. She said, in this story we meet a mother, Hagar. She is an immigrant from Egypt and she has no sense of belonging. This next bit's pretty powerful. She is running away from a household where her body has been used to produce offspring for an infertile couple. <laughs> It's pretty powerful, eh? I don't know what translation you might have read that in, but the Hebrew word very clearly just says slave. So some of our translations kind of water it down a bit and, and say servant, but the Hebrew word just means a young girl slave, right? And you see the way, um, the way that Sarai talks to Abram and just kind of says, well, I can't have kids, so just use my property. It's just, the whole thing is horrible. <laughs> I can't imagine how hideous it was for Hagar in this environment, to have nothing. <laughs> she's an immigrant, she's a slave, she's in a foreign land, she's just used to produce a baby that won't be hers. She has no rights, she has no freedom, she has no choice, she has no options, and she's broken and lost so much that she's going to run out into the wilderness probably just to die. Um, and then in, in verse 7, it's not written there, but in verse 7, you have that classic kind of phrase that you read again and again in the Bible when things are falling apart, yet God, <laughs> or but God. <laughs> and Hagar's left, her world's beyond falling apart. She's gone out in the desert, most probably to die, and then the next minute, 
but God <laughs> comes. And I love this, the, the closeness here. In verse 7, it literally says, an angel of the Lord. And then later on, Hagar refers to the angel. And so at first you're reading this and you're like, man, this is so beautiful. Hagar's falling apart. She's not part of the chosen nation. She's not part of Israel, but yet you know, God loves her still. But he sends an angel and you're like, yay, God sends an angel to with her. That's so awesome. Woo! But then when you get down to verse 13, Hagar makes it really clear that this is actually God himself. And the words that, that are used in the Hebrew totally change. And you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is a slave, an immigrant with no rights. She's in the wilderness to die and God himself comes to her. He doesn't just send an angel, he comes to her himself. I'm like, every time, I've read this passage, I don't know how many times this week. And every time I get to that bit, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that is a powerful statement right there. Um, here's that key verse, verse 13, that um, Janine was reading. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. See, the Lord who had spoken to her. <laughs> she said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? I love that little play on words, eh? Have I truly seen the one who sees me? Um, it's real interesting, the whole way through that little passage, uh, Sarai and Abram, they never call her a name. I don't know if you noticed that. They only ever call her the servant, the Egyptian or in the Hebrew, it's the slave, never has a name. And I'm like, man, how crushing would that be? How unseen does she feel, right? But she goes out into the wilderness and God sees her. Oh, I just love that. A couple of interesting facts um, that I found when I was kind of looking into this. Um, to this point, um, she's the only person to name God, which is kind of fascinating when you think who we've had. We've had um, Adam, <laughs> we've had Enoch who walked with God, right? Um, we've got Abram, and none of them name God. The first person in the Bible to name God is a slave immigrant with no rights. Amazing, eh? And one of the wild things is up until this point, God has named himself, and he's always used, as he does, these big, powerful, bold terms. So um, he names himself uh, Elohim, which is the creator, or Yahweh, the covenant maker, or El Shaddai, the Almighty. So it's these big, grunty terms. But when he comes to Hagar... And Hagar names him. She doesn't use these giant, powerful terms. She simply uses, you're the God who sees me. And I'm just like, oh. It's beautiful, eh? That's beautiful. Um, the other thing that's just wild, again, she's not in the covenant community of Israel, right? Um, other than Mary, she has the longest conversation with God of any woman in the Bible. Mary's the mother of Jesus. And you're like, what? And, and I did a bit of research. I didn't kind of get too carried away. Um, she has the longest conversation, uh, apart from quite a lot of guys in the Old Testament. So some of the big guys we think of, this refugee has this amazing conversation with God. It just blows me away, right? I, I just love it. I love how, how gracious and loving God is, <laughs> that no one is outside of his love, right? It's not that, oh, well, she's not an Israelite, so bad luck. It's like he comes to her, he, she sees him. Oh, I just love that, eh? Um, what about the way God sees us? What are some verses that talk about the way God sees us? Um, this is one of my favorites. Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms forever. And you see this in here. You saw me before I was born, which is a wild concept to think about. <laughs> um, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. <laughs> um, often people are excited when a baby's born and they 
are there or they're there shortly after to come in and, and see that baby. And there's something cool about being, I was one of the first people to see the baby. You know, it's like kind of a skidey thing, you might say to someone. Um, like your, your cousin, your, your nephew, your niece, your sister, your brother. Oh, we went and saw the new baby today. And you're like, oh, oh last weekend I saw the baby. You know, it's like, because I saw the baby first. And then you get to this first and you're like, blast. <laughs> God saw you. I don't know where you are in this mad planet that feels like it's spinning out of control. Not just when you're in your mother's womb, but before you were even born. God saw you. And I just love that, eh? That's so, that's so beautiful. Um, just a little side note. I've heard a lot of people over the years say Psalm 139 is a, an aggressive psalm where, where God is kind of spying on you and he's seeing you everywhere. And, you know, where can, you go to, where can I go to get away from God's sight and all this stuff? Oh, it's so scary and negative. And I'm always like... Man, have you read the Gospels? <laughs> have you read Jesus' interaction with people? Yeah, he gets angry and, and very aggressive with people that should know better, right? So Jewish leaders who should know better, who've memorized, they would have memorized most of the Old Testament. They now see him doing miracles that are just a clear proof of who he is, and they reject him, reject him, reject him. Now, Jesus is angry with them and tells them off, right? But everyone else, no matter how broken they are, no matter how sinful they are, no matter how messed up they are, Jesus is loving and patient and kind. and So I come to this. You saw me before I was born. Every day, oh, I just love that. Verse 17 um, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. How precious are your thoughts about me? I've said it here heaps of times, eh? but there's not a nanosecond that goes by where God is not thinking about you in love. Thinking about you in love because he sees you, because he loves you. Ah, oh, I just love that. There's this really cool verse over in Jeremiah 24, verse 6. I'll put it on the screen in a minute, but it's real interesting because of the context. So the context of this is uh, Israel's in exile, so they're in Babylon, and the place that they're in Babylon is horrible, hideous. It's not like a nice resort kind of exile. It's a horrible, horrible place with our swampy, heaps of um, bugs and malaria. It's a real terrible place. Um, And they've been there for quite a few years, and there's this, this very clear thought that they must have felt forgotten by God, right? They must have felt that God no longer sees me. God is no longer with He's deserted us. He's forgotten all about us. We're here in a foreign land serving foreign... God doesn't see us. God, God's forgotten us. And right in the middle of that, Jeremiah from God says this really cool verse here. Wow, I love this, eh? And it's got that same seeing thing. I will watch over and care for them, and I'll bring them back here again. Now, again, I don't know where you are, on this crazy planet, but it's really easy to feel unseen now. People are so busy and so running. Life is so hectic. It's really easy to get to the end of a day, the end of a week, and think, do I matter? <laughs> Does anyone really give a rip about me? <laughs> um, especially you guys on video, eh? you listening on the podcast. Um, we're a church that talks about the love of Jesus all the time. And we don't know where you are. Um, we don't know what's going on in your life, but we just really want you, as a church community, we want you to know we care about you, man, but way more than that, the creator of the universe sees you. <laughs> no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how lost, how foreign, <laughs> how betrayed, how hurt you might be, the creator of the universe, he sees you in love. <laughs> um, I love that. Eh? I'll watch over. I'll care for them. So cool. Um, this is a hard story, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to cry when I tell you this, but whatever. Um, a number of years ago now, Jason and I took our oldest daughter, Sarai, to Wellington, to move down to Wellington to study at university. And she was, I think, 18 at the time, something like that, 18, 19, I don't know. 
and we put all her belongings in our car, which wasn't a lot, <laughs> and drove all the way to Wellington, and the whole way down, I was like, heavy of heart. <laughs> and we got there, we moved her into this house she was boarding with some really cool people, we moved her into this really tiny room, which made me so sad, because it was so small. And then we had this really awkward afternoon tea with the people, because we didn't really know them, and you're kind of like drinking tea and eating weird things, thinking, well, oh, I just want to get out of here. And then my daughter, of course, being super cool, is just like, see you later, Joe's forced her to hug her. And then she went off to her room. And we got in the car. And my heart just broke. Oh. <laughs> this is my daughter, man. This is someone who I've cherished and loved and prayed for and cared for all these years. I've seen her every day of her life. And now I'm not going to see her. <laughs> and we drove, it was down the end of this cul-de-sac, and it was one of those little right-of-ways, and it needed some serious TLC because there were so many potholes. And I remember driving over all these stupid potholes and then out into the cul-de-sac, could see the, the house in the revision mirror, and then I turned the corner and I was just like, oh, I'm not going to see my daughter. I don't know when I'll see her again. <laughs> But then you come to this whole concept that I'm talking about, and you go, God sees her. God saw her before she was born. God loves her way better than I could ever love her. God is with her way better than I could ever be with her. Yeah, I don't see her, but God sees her. I love that, eh? So what does the Bible say? i just got a couple more verses. What does the Bible say? about being seen by God. What does it mean to be seen um, by God? And here's just two verses. I just love these. Here's the first one. We actually sung this, this line in, in the, uh, one of the songs we just sung. Zephaniah 3.7. Um, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. And I love this. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he'll calm all your fears. He'll rejoice over you with joyful songs. He will take delight in you with gladness. <laughs> Um, most of us still sin. I know some of you have moved beyond that. Now, nah. um, we struggle. Life is hard. But I just need you to hear that God delights in you. If you're in a relationship with God, when he looks at you, he doesn't look at you in judgment or anger or anything weird like that. He delights in you. He sees your struggle, and I'm sure God thinks you're doing way better than you do. We're pretty hard on ourselves. But God looks at you in love, and he, he delights in you. Man, I love that. Here's the last verse, and this is kind of a cool one. I like the little bit in the, at the end of this. Psalm 33, 13 to 15, the Lord looks down from heaven and he sees the whole human race. From his throne he observes all who live on earth. And this is the cool bit. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. <laughs> he understands everything they do and yet he still delights in you. <laughs> he still loves you. Um, Hagar at the lowest of the low, I think that anyone can be pregnant, running away in the wilderness to just die. God comes to her and sees her. Um, again, I don't know where you are, but God really sees you. He delights in you. He understands you. To understand someone means to truly see them. I love that, eh? Um, back to mums, man. Mums, you might feel like an Uber driver sometimes, and that's it, and you're not getting paid. <laughs> Sometimes you do just feel like a cook or a cleaner or a getter or a fixer. Or a, um, but where does the church see you? Eh? God sees you. He delights in you. He understands you. Yeah. Almighty God, thank you for these cool verses. Eh? Thank you that you see us even when we feel unseen. Um, you see us in the midst of our struggle. Um, 
you see us when we're having a horrible week and things are just turning to custard and we're like, I don't know if I can keep doing this, God. You see us. Um, you come to us in closeness and in love. Thank you that you delight in us. Even when we're being hard on ourselves, maybe, and we're judging ourselves and thinking we're failing and we're struggling, you look at us and you delight in us. You understand us. Yeah, thank you for making it just so clear, God. I, yeah, I don't know. We're good at not seeing who you really see us as. I thank you that you make it so clear the way you see us, God. Yeah, yeah I pray this in the name of Jesus.